and this was one of the best years of my life. I don't know, because it's a music podcast, so I didn't, I didn't go that far. Wait, 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 wait. Well, I figured, you know, if it goes well, then that's because of me. If it goes bad, that's because of you guys. So I'm not too worried. <laughs> <laughs> you can bend behind the nut. You were just thinking of Babs Bunny. <laughs> this is a hot bunny, man. Bunnies could be hot. Club banger. Blam jam. Dude, you can't judge someone's personal life and their music, otherwise you wouldn't like Kanye. And Kanye's awesome. His music is awesome. He sucks. And now, see, I was going to the ball game, my buddy Tom, we couldn't play Zigzag Wiggle Wham by the new Ball J Boys. So close. Hey, and welcome to your latest weekly installment of Bass and Trouble. I'm your announcer, Doug. Let's introduce your hosts, Neil and Steve. Take it away, boys. Thanks, Doug. <laughs> Welcome to the Bass and Trouble Podcast. My name is Neil. And I'm Honey Badger Steve. Yeah, we're keeping these special guests coming. Everybody say hello to Sean. Hi, Sean. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so if you haven't, checked out our latest, last few episodes. Most recently, we sat down with our friend Kara to talk about Hall and & Oates, and that was fun. That was and today, fun. we're actually going to talk about... Uh, our favorite Canadian band. You're talking about Nickelback? <laughs> <laughs> you about Drake? No, yeah. no, nope. keep going. Arcade Fire? E, nope. Not Bieber? What are we talking about? It's Rush. Oh, thank God. That was a bad list. <laughs> All right, well. <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to talk about Rush, and then later on we're going to talk about the sucky song of the day, which could be the suckiest sucky song we've ever sucked. Never ask Sean for a bad song. He's got a whole collection. So if you haven't already yeah. subscribed, then what the hell are you waiting for? Sean, could you explain to people how you subscribe? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Just did to get that reaction. Yes, yeah, so you can find them on Spotify. Uh, and finally, you can find them on Apple Podcasts. Uh, not where all of your podcasts can be found, but those are the two that you should be using anyway. Uh, once in a while, you can find them on Facebook, Bass and Treble. Keyword search, AOL, uh, bass and treble. Yeah, that's what you can do, and, and that's how you'll find us. Well, <laughs> this week, you know, we were talking, we've been, you know, we did a lot of 90s bands in the beginning. We started to now, Jesus, Hollow Notes, we've completely fallen off the rock ledge. But at this point, we get back to one of my favorite power trios. A guy I could say I played songs of with Sean on this podcast, Rush. Oh, that's right. You guys were in a band for a while. Years, yeah, like years, six years, six, seven years. Yeah, it was a while. So, so yeah, Sean, why don't you go over the uh, the list of members of this band? Um, all right. So obviously we got uh, my uh, doppelganger, Getty Lee, on bass, <laughs> vocals, keyboards, moog, synth, and just about anything that wasn't uh, nailed down or a guitar. Uh, Alex Lifeson, uh, obviously the critically under underrated, not underrated, but underrepresented guitarist. And Neil Peart, uh, really, what can we say about Neil Peart that hasn't already been said? Uh, he plays drums. I don't know if, I've, if anyone's ever said that yet. He does play <laughs> yeah. drums. No one's ever said that. And most important lyricist, and when we get to the trees, we can talk about that. So these guys started in Toronto um, in 1968. It's a beautiful city. I don't know if you, you guys are into Toronto. I got, went there once. Yeah, I went there for work once. What I, what I like about it is that so much of it is underground. I mean, I guess they have to deal with winter. So we went from like the office all the way to the other side of town without even reaching ground level. It was <laughs> January, so thank God for that. I had no idea that. You heard it here first. Uh, Toronto, uh, built by dwarves. <laughs> Good call. The fantasy ones. I should probably. So guys, listen. You're gonna have to check out the playlist I'm making for this band because it's gonna include a lot of good prog rock. Probably put a little King Crimson, probably put a little Yes, you know, all the good stuff on there. Yes. All right, well, Rush started on a cold, cold night back in Toronto, Ontario. It was actually September 18th, 1968, in fact. And they have no idea how they remember that specific date, <laughs> but apparently yeah, that's what they very decided precise. to go with. Like, yeah. September 18th specifically was the day that it all happened. So here's a joke, Sean. On the podcast, we talk all the time about Steve. He's gone to all these amazing rock band concerts, but he can't remember if he actually went or when he went. He's just like, yeah, I saw him. It's like, dude, you grew up in like <laughs> Orlando when all these good bands were just riding through town. Like You got to see all the good bands. I have a box full of ticket stubs, and... Uh... 
I would have to look through it to remember half the shows I was at. He, he found that on the back of a train. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> it's all just yeah. been the Mandela effect. Oh, okay. So, yeah. Just conveniently, they're all my favorite bands in all the places that I lived. No, everybody apparently went and saw Bon Jovi, like Bon Jovi, for instance. A lot of people saw Bon Jovi. No one actually saw him. It's the Mandela effect. We just all kind of, oh, yeah. All right. And so the original lineup with Alex Lifeson, bassist and frontman Jeff Jones. Wow. There was like another dude before Geddy Lee. That's hilarious. And then uh, there was a lot of people in this band, believe it or not. And then John Rutsey, which I loved his drum playing a lot. Um, he actually was a pretty killer drummer, I think. Good rock drummer. Yeah, I mean, he hadn't. Uh, Neil Peart had nothing on him. Well, the band switched up their members a bunch of times. Uh, <clears throat> there are actually eight people that were credited in being in the band at one point. Uh, you know, eventually uh, they settled on the Rush lineup in May '71. That was uh, obviously the great Getty Lee Lifeson, who was there since day one, and then John Rutsey on drums. They were sitting in their Canadian basement just days before the show, and couldn't come up with a name. And Rutsy's brother said, why don't you just call the band Rush? And that's the great story. Legendary. Of how they were known to be Rush. The legendary band Rush. What would have happened if any other name came out of his mouth? Here we get to tell our band name story. Sean, take it away. Styrofoam. <clears throat> there was a cooler. <laughs> there was a cooler in the practice unit. <laughs> yeah, so we were tired of the band name Five Finger Discount because it's really hard to get a gig when you're, uh, when you're synonymous with stealing stuff. So <clears throat> we were like, we got to come up with something else. Scanned the room nervously and saw a cooler, styrofoam, for some reason, stuck. I'm very happy well, we, it stuck. We named ourselves styrofoam, uh, me and Sean, before we had an actual drummer back. Yeah, there was a lot of swapping around there. And then we got a new drummer. We played with a couple awful drummers. Sean, remember that? Sean legit has an email of some guy who's like, I could play late poison, but not that new shit. <laughs> Yeah, not that new poison. That's oh, garbage. That's all the difference. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> we were like, oh, let's try, definitely try this yeah, guy. So just the good poison with that guy. And then we had that one dude. He played He played one gig. That was the guy with the little Muppet. But then we found Max, and now I think he's dead. <laughs> <laughs> you guys really know how to pick him. Uh, I haven't heard of Max. He deleted all of our stuff off of YouTube and then just disappeared off the face of the earth. He snapped his fingers like Thanos, and our YouTube YouTube content was... Whisked away in a, a a breeze of dust. You'd call Max's voicemail, and it was like you've reached something industries. <laughs> Sean just oh Ames, I think it was just Ames Industries. I don't know. What industry are you in? <laughs> well, first of all, somebody needs to figure out what an industry is, right? So I'm not alone in assuming that an industry <laughs> is bigger than let's let's say a vertical market. And I I almost wish he would have went, which would have been more accurate. Hey, uh, right. you, you've reached uh, douchebag vertical market, but that was not where he ended up. He went with Ames, which has never been his last name, ever. ever. Uh, Industries, which is, mm. you know, I miss him, though. Uh, like a conglomeration of companies. Oh, you didn't know that? Steve, Steve, our drummer, our drummer, he, like, assumed a name when he was our drummer. Like, he had, like, a show name and a real name. We always call him his show name. Yeah, to this day. Well, so do most of the guys from Rush. Believe it or not, they're not who you think they are. Well, isn't that because uh, Alex Lifeson, that's just because his last name means Lifeson, son of life. Yes, exactly. Steve, so then what So then what happened in 1974? Right, so that was right before they were about to go on tour in the U.S. Um, Rutsey bowed out. He's like, you know what, guys? I have diabetes and I hate touring, so peace out. Uh, I think his medical issues kind of got in the way. I think that story is a little, you know, it's it's tough because it's like his body couldn't handle it, man. Couldn't handle the the actual, you know, right. performing of the drums. It was crazy. Um, well, I heard other things too. Like I heard that uh, <clears throat> he wanted the band to take a different direction than what they wanted. That too. So like, yeah, he wanted to make mm -hmm. it. I think the exact band was Bad Company that he wanted to model the sound off. Because everybody needs another Eagles band. Yeah. All right. Well, with that being <laughs> said, they held auditions and. Uh, you know, everybody, the story's great. He shows up with all his stuff, and he's super nervous, and that was it. They met him, and they're like, yep, we got it, which, uh, that's yeah, the guy. That's, you know, that's good because progressive drummers tend to be good. I mean, it helps when you've got a million pieces in your kit. Steve, go through this band's discography, their body of work. Yeah, there's quite a bit here. Um, they have 19 studio albums, 11 live albums, 11 compilation albums. 10 box sets, two EPs, 13 video albums, 34 music videos, 
and the list goes on. They had 34? What are they, Madonna? I didn't know this band had 34 music videos. That's ridiculous. And you can tell what year it was by their haircuts. <laughs> <laughs> that is 100% true. Sean, before you kick us off, why don't you tell us about your stream on Twitch. Tell everybody what you're doing. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, so you can find me, funny enough, uh, twitch.tv forward slash styrofoamgod. Uh, they had... Uh, I'm keeping the name alive. You can come check us out, have some fun. We stream a lot of uh, fighting games. I'm a big fighting game guy. And uh, lately we've been doing a lot of Lucio Ball, so you can watch uh, Team Night Beef. Uh, that's, that's what we decided to name ourselves. Uh, try to go for gold. Go for Lucio Gold. Well, awesome, man. Well, check them out. So what's the name of the Twitch stream again? Twitch.tv forward slash Styrofoam God. That's S-T-Y-R-O-F-O-A-M-G-O-D. Right on. Yeah. Anyway, back to Rush. So uh, Rush did a lot of uh, things. I don't know if you guys knew that. They made a lot of albums. They made a lot of music. Their first album was actually 1974. Is their self-titled album, Rush. Uh, my favorite song of all time is on that. That's In the Mood. Uh, I'm also kidding. Also, Working Man is a great <laughs> song. It was on that album, too. That song took off here where I live now in Cleveland. People were calling the radio station, like, when's the next Led Zeppelin album coming out? That's what they thought this was. Like... And this song rocks so hard. It has that, you know, my favorite part is all the Getty Lee walking bass lines in between the solos. He does that so nice. Yeah. You know the part where it's, dun, 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 and he does the boom, dun, boom, 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 boom. Like, come on, Getty. You sick son of a, he's such a sweet <laughs> bass player. I mean, that was back with Rutsy, so, but they really found their, uh, I think it's a very important thing for a three-piece band. Um, and you and I, Neil, know a lot about three-piece bands, is that there's, there needs to be a certain separation between the tonalities that you don't really see with other bands, right? Like, so uh, four-piece bands and stuff like that, oftentimes the bass players just need to be in the background, sort of just creating the bridge between the high end and the and the drums. But when you're in a three-piece band like Rush, and they're all virtuosos, they did a really great job of, you know, each having their own voice. And then that's, I think what that mm -hmm. first album really did was, was signify sort of, hey, this is us, uh, we're all badasses. <laughs> yeah, you could tell it's so funny, you know, because in the next album is is uh, you know, now it's Neil Pert as the drummer, and you can tell the change in drumming with uh, the first song that we covered, Sean Fly by Night. Fly By Nights, our very first song that we did from Rush. But it wouldn't be our last. No, it wouldn't be. But, man, what a cool song. It's such a pretty song, too. It's got such a good uh, groove to it. Um, it's kind of funny that we're still kind of grooving back then. And then um, I love the song Anthem. Dude, Anthem's a great song. The, the... All that crap, dude, that stuff's amazing. He's going to do that for every Rush song. That we... Every time we talk about a Rush song, you can, you can get away with doing that exact same sound clip. <laughs> copy and paste that in. Yeah, and then Steve, what did they come out with 1975? This sounds like a like a cologne brand. Like Caress of Steel. <laughs> it's like a very manly Spray yourself with Caress of Steel. I like mist. <laughs> Do you want to be her knight in shiny armor? Caress of Steel. Caress of Steel. Sean, you, you, you obviously recognize the first track, right? The song's amazing. <clears throat> the Steel uh, Day uh, was an awesome Rush song. I mean, I'm going to be saying this a lot, but the Steel Day, this, this, I, I mean, I understand that this album didn't do too hot, and they were kind of uh, fading on, because you, you, gained some, you garnished some respect with, you know, with the Rush, and then Fly By Night comes out with a different mm -hmm. drummer. It gets a lot more proggy. And here they are, you know, trudging away at Bastille Day and things like that. Yeah. There's so many good songs off the album. Uh, but I think that's definitely the one to kind of talk about if you're going to talk about the album. Yeah, I mean, the Necromancer Suite's pretty cool. It's kind of heavy, but it, it starts turning into really heavy progressive rock. I like that this song has like four distinct parts, Bastille Day. It yeah. has like four pieces to it. And, you know, before we jumped on the podcast, you know, we were talking about YOAZ, uh, Steve, I know we'll get to, but that is really kind of like just such weird they throw six eight 
measures in regular four four all the time. And it just throws people off and gets them grooving. The, you know, real big fan of Bastille Day for that one. And uh, I did first time I heard it. I I well, my story with Rush guys is that I wasn't a Rush fan my whole life. I used to really get annoyed by Geddy Lee's voice, and I was like, couldn't get over it. To never really listen to it. I used to get really annoyed by another Sean. That I was. That's exactly <laughs> where I was going, Steve. And then there was. <laughs> And then there was a guy who showed me Rush before Sean, before we this were This guy was a douche. We worked together Sean, with this guy. Sean remembers Sean. Him. Yeah. Do you remember <laughs> how obnoxious he was? Hey, man. Hey, man. You got your own spin. It's called Bang Hall Rush. Get up against the wall. Get up against the wall. Like, what? He really <laughs> liked Rush. <laughs> he introduced me to what it was like to be on Coke without yeah. even being on Coke. He was just always so pumped about everything. Including yeah. Rush, he would never put it down, and he just put such a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah, I know, but I was like, why does this guy like Rush? Of all the people I've met, you know, he was just didn't fit the mold. You know what I mean? And I can't believe yeah. the three of us all know that one guy. <laughs> Very like we worked with him. I think that it was his heyday. Like in his best times in life, Rush was at its peak. He just equates Rush with being super cool. That's not the most alpha thing, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's kind of what he was shooting for. Yeah, I don't know. He reminds yeah. me of the dad from Family Guy. Well, and then moving on. Wait, we 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 can't move on without talking about the second track on Caress of Steel. <laughs> wait, wait, I on. think I'm going bald. <laughs> I mean, I think that's every day. It's <laughs> getting there. Yeah. Personally, that's my favorite title track of all Rush songs. It'll be half my life pretty soon. You know, give me a few more years here. So. Oh, okay. I think I'm going bald. Yeah, I'm there. Been there. Oh, yeah, no, Neil was telling there. me about that stuff in sophomore year. <laughs> <laughs> But then in uh, 1976, they came out with 2112, and I'll pass the baton to anyone else because, weird thing, I don't really know this album that well. I know the whole album, or if you played it in a jukebox, but I yeah. I think the Temples of Syrinx is one that I'm familiar with, but it's really heavy, man. Like, it's, it is from another planet. We all know the story behind this album. Like, they wanted them to make another poppy album. It's like, now we're going to come up with just, like, a prog start to finish record that you have to listen all the way through. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. Well, 2112 was what made Rush Rush, right? Because mm -hmm. before that, they actually, the tour that they went on for um, Caress of Steel, they affectionately referred to them and the entire stagehands referred to it as the Down the Tubes tour. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they called it because they're like, all right, well, we're done. Uh, we had, we, they had to make one more album and they just said, no, we're Rush. We're going to stick to our guns. We're going to go progger. And they found their audience with 2112. 2112 is one of those one of those albums from the 70s back when quote unquote headphone music was a thing um, where it joined the ranks of Pink Floyd and uh, Zeppelin is these this you put on headphones you uh, you know you if you're into jazz cigarettes you you, you hang out with those and you you what, uh, what? electric lettuce <laughs> Now that we've got to that, like, let's just give a shout out that they stuck to their guns because in 1977, Steve, what came out? Farewell to Kings. What's your favorite song from this album, Steve? I don't have one. They're all equally amazing in my eyes. <laughs> it is a really good album. I'll give you that. Closer to the heart is the right answer. Oof, sorry. Yeah. That song's only two minutes and 54 seconds long. Wow. That's, that's but it's quick. two minutes and 54 seconds of pure power. Oh, that 12 string. Ring, ring, ring. Yeah, it's a good time. Um, but yeah, that song is great. And Xanadu's a good song, but it's uh, definitely hanging on to 2112's feel. It's very. Yeah, I know this is one of Sean's, fa just one of Sean's favorites, though, right? You're a big fan of Xanadu. I still warm up when uh, I've gotten, I think I've gotten auditions before I've even played the first note by warming up. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Is that any relation to the Nintendo game Xanadu? No, but I love that game and it has no relation while we're on the subject to the ELO song Xanadu. With oh, Olivia that's right. John. 
Right. Wasn't that like a Broadway play or something on roller <laughs> yeah, skates? I think they... Hold on a second. Time out. Sean, again, Steve, we keep knocking it out of the park with the guests because, again, Sean brings up another rock fact. That is a great rock fact. I didn't know that there was another person who decided, oh, there's already a song named Xanadu. I want to name my song Xanadu. Yeah, Jeff like Lynne. I know Google didn't exist back then, but that's what's the chances of that happening? Uh, well, I mean, there's only so many words in the English language. You're going <laughs> to land on Xanadu. I say Xanadu at least 15 times a day, just in regular at conversations. Least. The English language is a normal path, but then the letter X. <laughs> And so in 1978, they came out with Hemispheres, which was a super awesome album. Uh, this, this album, I think, is literally, I mean, up till now, we haven't mentioned the lyricist in this band is the drummer, Neil Peart, or we've kind of glazed over yeah. it. But he wrote all the words. And in Hemispheres, he took it all the way to the top, in my opinion, with the most amazing song before my favorite song of theirs, The Trees. Who writes a song like that? The trouble with the maples. Like that's I love that <laughs> Getty Lee could sing about anything. You know, if he wouldn't have been a famous rock band singer, he could have been the best jingle singer of all time. Ayn Rand. Yeah, that was a big influence of his, right? That was a big influence for Neil Peart, that's all right. But also, um, my favorite song of theirs, hands down, is La Villa Strangiato. Um, I can play, yeah, I mean I can play five seconds of that song, but I can't touch that intro. What is going on? <laughs> okay sure we we used to do that song yeah but i would Back start i would start at the next note because that intro is crazy you know the story behind recording this right he they wanted to record it in real time but finally had to give up like he wanted to be playing the classic guitar and then like transition to like another guitar and then switch to the other part that's on keys like they wanted to like do that all in one take and and finally the producer was like no this is stupid. No, stop it. <laughs> we, you, you guys realize there's like eight songs in this one song. Okay. Figure it out live when you get there. Okay. They figured it out. Ironically enough, uh, La Villa Strangiato, an exercise in self-indulgence, was kind of the reason that we chose to play it too. Because we didn't give any amount of cares yeah, no. about what we sounded like to anybody else, the patrons, <laughs> the people that were paying us to play there. We were like, yeah. all right, so we're going to just uh, we're just gonna do this for ourselves. <laughs> and Enjoy. The, the proof is in the pudding with how many originals we did. Yeah, <laughs> you know pretty much. I mean? Yeah, we used to play original songs, and people would rock out to them, and they had no idea they were our songs half the time, I'm sure, even more half the time. Like, oh, this is yeah. a great song people by – People requested some of our stuff, yeah. It's a great song by Cake. Like, yep, I'm Cake. Nice to meet you. Right. One for them, one for us. <laughs> And then in 1980, what came out, Sean? Permanent Waves came out in 1980. You're talking about, yeah. So this is their seventh album, guys. Just to be clear, these guys have been killing it. It's now 1980, okay? It's been six years, and they're on their seventh album. So correct me if I'm wrong. They're at more than one album per year pace while touring. That's amazing. Yep. That's a feat. Yeah. You know? yeah, and there's so many good songs that came out of that. Uh-huh. Yeah, you got uh, The Spirit of the Radio, which is a great intro, great track, has reggae. Come on. <laughs> Come on. And it's one of those talking points, especially during the time when you start seeing the manufactured sort of swill that they were kind of fighting against to even get to where they are today from the 80s. And they come out with something that basically touches all of those points. Dude, mm -hmm. it's got so much pop touch. And I think they killed it with that, this album. This album was crazy. And then... You know, not to just get off the subject of Spirit of the Radio, but we also covered Free Will, and that, that song was awesome. That song was really yeah. fun. That's another, like, classic. Steve, I can't believe, and Sean can't believe, that we ever got through the guitar solo section cleanly so many times. I tried, to, I tried picking that song back up the other, uh, like, maybe a couple of weeks ago, just from memory. I was trying to, like, oh, yeah, I remember that. No, that was the wrong song I'm trying to do, but it's, I couldn't do it. Free Will? I couldn't. Doing... I was thinking of La Villa Strange Auto, oh, there, yeah. but uh, so many songs they blur together. But Free Will, that that instrumental section is. I mean, if you're not, if you're not, if you like Rush and you wanted to learn how to play an instrument, uh, don't 
learn Rush songs <laughs> first. It's really very, bad. it's very like not a good place to start. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it really grabs you by the balls. Smoke on the water. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go with that one. Yeah, but no, I was a yeah, I'm a real big fan of the song. Not only for that reason, but it's just such a rocking song, and it's got that whole um. It's got like a kind of a breakbeat feel in it for a, a bit there too. It's like da 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 da. da. It's it's really kind of uh, not as prog obnoxious. It's a little more poppy and has a lot more punch. I think these guys, you know, everybody tries to put people in a box, but man, these these guys essentially wrote pop music that musicians could listen to. That I still that's my favorite instrumental thing to play with people is that that instrumental section yeah. the bridge yeah, to that, free will let's not just do a uh, mouth bass all day but i mean it's so good <laughs> mouth- i gotta go back and relearn it now that we bring it up mouth bass all day also sounds like porn yeah and then um jacob's ladder was a good song too right <laughs> <laughs> how, are we, how are we coming off a of free will spirit of the way? I'll be like, yeah, Jacob's Ladder. That was good. <laughs> what is there to say about Jacob's Ladder that anyone's ever said ever? It was his. It was a good song. All right, and so 1981, Moving Pictures, fun fact, um, this album Preach is it. ridiculous. Preach on. Steve, fun let's fact. talk about the first the first track of this album. Steve's a big fan of albums that start strong, so I'm pretty sure this is Steve's favorite. <laughs> yeah, I was just looking at the track list here. I think this might be my number one Rush album. We got Tom yeah. Sawyer. We got Oof. YYZ. We got Limelight. All of these are good tracks. Yeah, and then you've no. got you've got your creepy uncle with his red barchetta. Sean Sean uh, he kind of explained that to me. I never really listened to the lyrics. I'm like, yeah, it's just kind of weird. My uncle has a yeah. place no one knows about. Like what? <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised this song didn't get canceled in 2019 with uh with uh baby it's cold outside. <laughs> yeah. mm, one of those type of songs. Well, no, it's not, but it's very easily construed. <laughs> the, okay. The whole album, by the way, Moving Pictures, is just a phenomenal. It's almost like it's almost like Twenty One Twelve. Like it's it's such a good standing on its own piece of art. Uh, Neil and I actually were fortunate enough to see Moving Pictures done in, in its entirety. Yeah, we saw Rush. Uh, nice. They concert at the Moving Pictures tour. No, it was the Time Machine. Time tour. Machine tour. And they did Moving Pictures front to back. Yeah. And oh my God, Y Y Z. If I had. <laughs> uh, a nickel for every time we played YYZ, <laughs> I would have a stack of nickels, boy. Let me tell you, yeah, Marco five so or something. What's funny is I love playing that song acoustic because you know, like you just go over somebody's house and have acoustic. Like my sisters and I just start. They're like, "What are you doing?" I'm like I don't know. It's one of those songs that you can't play by itself. Like if you just play the bass by itself, you're like, "I miss the guitar." And if you play just the guitar, I imagine I don't know, but I, I imagine it in my head when I when I'm playing. I just try to picture all that. Yeah, uh, lots of fun playing that song together, Sean. And uh, shout out to Max wherever he is or wherever he's buried. Good old Max Ames. <laughs> wherever he's buried. If you find us, Max, <laughs> hit us up on Facebook. We're gonna have to put out a milk carton ad. Steve, we'll Bass in Trouble. We'll sponsor it. We'll just have it as a free sponsor on the side, like a QR code, and just be like, everyone, <laughs> we all. Except for him, ironically, grew up on MacArthur. The last time I talked to him, he asked me if I could pick him up. I was I was in Michigan. I was in Grand Rapids, and I was like, "Hey, man, Merry Christmas." He's like, "Oh, yeah, how are you?" I'm like, "I'm good." Oh, where where are you right now? I'm like, "Oh, I'm in Grand Rapids." He's like, "Oh, would you pick me up from a bus station in Milwaukee?" I'm like, "What?" <laughs> Max, are you in Florida? Yeah. Honestly, I think he's in Colorado right now. Oh, that's why he's last I heard. He's Rocky Mountain High right now. He's he's out of touch. Make sure he doesn't get bit by any more brown recluse spiders. You want to see a you want to see a man, Steve? You want to talk yeah, about dude. what a man yeah. is? Yeah, tell me all about it. So he must have been what was he like ninety six <laughs> at the time when he got bit? Uh, he was in his he was in his fifties or his late forties or something, right? He got bit by a brown recluse. Oh yeah, so the brown recluse. Let's talk about this because this is a great. Story. So he's this drummer. He got bit right. by a brown recluse, which are indigenous to Florida, in his shin, and it developed necrosis, and it put a 
almost like a small meteorite landed into his leg. There was a crater you could eat milk, you could eat cereal out of the thing. I mean, uh, drummers tend to need their legs. I, I, I know about bass pedals. He poured rubbing alcohol, ibuprofen alcohol, on the thing while he was talking to us like it was just like, <laughs> like he was putting on deodorant. It's just what he does. Yeah, like, why are you doing this now? I don't know. I don't put on deodorant when I'm talking to people, but... The guy was ripped, by the way. Yeah, he was ripped. And he, and he, he was ripped. And all he ever ate was McChickens and McDoubles. Steve, you should That's see. That's it. It was like a steady diet of McChickens and McDoubles. I don't know how. And I'm getting, I'm starting to get, I'm starting to lose my uh, girlish figure here now. As of like a couple months ago, my metabolism. I didn't know this is what happens when he hit like 35. It just stopped working. <laughs> it doesn't like gradually slow down. Steve, how old are you now? Yeah, I, I'm, I'm past that phase. I got dad bod. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta do something. I was having a conversation. I was having a conversation with this guy at work. Guys, I've had dad bod my entire life, so you go, both go to hell. Yeah, it's and not ch- even like you get big. It's just you just change shape. No, I, uh. I'm skinny and I don't have a frame for this, so it just comes out. I'm gonna get tits. <laughs> I'm just gonna have tits, and I still haven't come to grips with it. There you go. Something to look forward to. This has got to be some of the best content I've ever, we're ever going to have on this podcast. <laughs> Sean's going off like this. Like, imagine like an 11-year-old girl coming to grips with, I'm going to have tits. That's how I Somehow feel. he hasn't sworn the entire podcast. Sean, you are a man. I'm, doing, I'm trying my best. Thank I'm doing you. a pretty good job, I think. You're doing a great job. Keep it up. And uh, Sean, Sean, tell us about 1982. Oh, it was two years before I was born. They made an album called Signals. Signals was a great album. Two, both sides were awesome. I think my favorite part of that would have been Subdivisions, where we really start, you know, cutting the sides of our hair and really start, you know, living with the the mullets and the kimonos that we were born to adorn. <laughs> Let's get new AB. Um <clears throat> Subdivisions was a uh, classic. Subdivisions was a was an anthem more than anthem was for the type of people that listened to Rush. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, conformer mm-hmm. be cast out, of course. Yeah, just the abused nerds. Mm-hmm. Uh your D&D players and your uh and your stuff like that. The guys that got shoved into lockers. Sean, what was your nickname in high school that I didn't learn until after I was out of high school was a uh, pizza Nazi. Pizza Nazi. I don't know how f- safe for work this is going to be, but it doesn't come from anywhere weird. <laughs> Steve, tell them your business. Yeah, tell them no. No, stop for, start from the beginning. How, why were you selling pizza? Uh, for money. So, um, so ironically, like a Jew. No. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even Jewish, uh, you idiot. <laughs> so I was saying, like, you know, pizza Nazi is a strong thing, you know, because I sold pizza to every race, color, and creed. So what, it, what I found was I didn't have any money. <laughs> And I don't know how I found. Oh wow! Look at that! I'm broke. I never had money. I was. I grew up poor. So, uh, in order to get free food for lunch, what I would do was you you could buy a slice of pizza for. I'm not going to give you all the math. I already did the math. Uh, but if you bought a, if you if you paid, and here's the racket. I'm going to go get. You're going to go get pizza, right? You're going to go stand in line for pizza. Cool. Give me the money. It doesn't cost you anything extra. All right, I'll t- I'll take your money and I'll buy the pizza with your money. You don't pay anything else. You're just not in line. You can socialize with your friends. You do that for enough people, and you can buy a pie. For every pie you buy, you subsidize your own piece. Yeah, for every pie you buy, you make a good like three or four dollars. So because you're buying it wholesale now, so I'm buying like five six pies a day. I would make like twenty something dollars really? a day and change, and eat as solid. much pizza as I could fit in my mouth. Dude, I'm sorry, but a high school kid Bonus. making twenty bucks in what thirty minutes? Well, you didn't have much time. That was fast paced. No, I mo the tail end of my lunch break was always running around trying to find the stragglers. Uh, dude, dude, work. where's where's insert name here? Um, he's got two pepperonis and a cheese. <laughs> and I had this little notepad that I walked around Guys, with. And I'm like, this all is, right, let's. Uh... For everybody listening, this is around the year what, 2001, 2002. No, this was like yeah, 99, maybe uh, 2001, something like that. Yeah, 99, like no, 99. Yeah, it was like 99, right around the Y2K, 99, 2000. And um, I admire your efforts. And as a man of of understanding strategy, I felt it was important to bring it up. 
uh, when we talked about subdivisions and being a nerd. Yeah, anyway, subdivisions. <laughs> <laughs> In the shopping mall. Subdivisions. What about New World Man? That's a good song, too. Steve, do you like New World Man? Yeah. Very electronic. This is a very electronic album for sure. And then I'm going to bring up 1984. So that um, that was uh, Grace Under Pressure, which wasn't that like a wasn't that like a TV show on Fox? With... That's Will and Grace. I think you're talking about something else. Uh, no, no, it's a redheaded <laughs> wife. Grace Under Pressure. So this was this came out the year I was born, actually. Um, and and just like your doctor that you know was there at birth, he handled yeah, you with kid, he handled you with yeah. handled you with kid gloves. <laughs> There's also a song in this album. Um, Rex Hector A was cool. That's a good song, but the rest of these songs I don't remember at all, if I could be honest. So, moving along. Yeah, I, I mean, the there. album, the whole 80s thing, really, was kind of a... It's a turning of the tide. I, I know it's the direction that they went. I think that some of their best work at this point was behind them, if I'm being honest. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, at least he still had that sweet mullet. The photos that came out <laughs> of the, the 80s... <laughs> that's what really counts. That's, that's what's you know, important. I mean, outside of, like, Roll the Bones... Um, I mean, their next album was good. Um, what was that next album called, Steve? <laughs> Power Wilson. Windows. Yeah, Power Windows. So it's 1985. You still had to roll that up. And then in 1987, <laughs> Hold Your Fire came out, and uh, <laughs> time stands still. This is the decline. Time stands all over from here. That was a good song. I, I actually liked that song. No. <laughs> I know it's a subjective thing, but you're wrong. <laughs> and then 89, you had Presto, which just like the spaghetti sauce was a mix-up. Yeah, Presto is well well named. <laughs> and then Sean's favorite album, he keeps mentioning I'm going to have to go back and edit out every Roll the Bones. It's like <laughs> some people have ums and uhs. Sean has an entire phrase is, Roll the Bones! <laughs> Roll the Bones. Roll the, I, yeah, I say that constantly. It's that and Xanadu. That's like 50% of my vocabulary right there. Anyway, Roll the Bones uh, was an awesome... They're still in the '80s, but they're moving. Like they felt the. Wait, this is '91. Hold on. I know that Full House was a full-blown sitcom at this point, but '91 is not the '80s. They were out of it, and that's what's made the difference. Is what you're saying. This is my point. Yeah, I got you. Like the '80s, they're still in the '80s with Roll the Bones. Have you listened to it? (laughs) Um, Have you heard the music? Steve and I say this all the time about bands. We're like, (laughs) um, it's funny. We just did Hall and Oates, and it was like. Something, something. It's like these guys are always in the 80s. It's true. You can't leave it. Well, Rush wasn't, but they are right now in this particular – in 91, they were still in the 80s. They felt the breeze of Nirvana. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, Coming sure. to blow all of the, the hair metal bands out of the way, and they stuck to their guns, and they put out the album again as they always do that they wanted to put out. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can't hate them for it, man. It was a good, it was a good uh, album. Roll the Bones, the yeah. song. The Roll the Bones is a good song. The content of the song Roll the Bones, it harkens back to the stuff that they used to do. I mean, it's it's just – it's got Neil Peart written all over it, right? Like it's mm-hmm. it's just like, I don't know what's going to happen. Neither do you. Yeah. What do you do, Neil? Yeah, you just got to roll the bones. There you go. Ah, uh, that's what you do. And then in 93, they came out with counter Counterparts, which sounds like a uh, – doesn't that sound like a movie that Arnold Schwarzenegger would be the star in? That sounds like uh, if you were to buy your kitchen at Ikea, <laughs> you would have counterparts. You'd Steve, have to put them together. Steve, if you pick a song out of here that is that anyone knows. Knows ever. ever. <laughs> Like, including Rush. This is get Getty you know, on the yeah. phone. You're gonna put me on the spot with that? I'm having a real hard time coming up with a single one here. Maybe Alien Shore. That one sounds pretty pleasing. <laughs> I want to know why you chose that one. I mean, we're gonna. This is gonna be a telling. Come on in, gang. Let's take a listen to why. Why he chose Alien Shore. We're going to learn a lot about him as a person right now. We've got 11 tracks to choose from. Right, and that's smack dab in the middle. <laughs> Most of these could be 
from anyone. These are pretty generic. Nobody's hero, the speed of love. <laughs> the speed of love. These are general songs that could be put out by any band. Alien Shore is distinctly <laughs> out of place. Yeah, that's out of place. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the next couple albums, uh, Test for Echo and Vapor Trails, I don't remember much from. I think we could skip over those. But then in 2007, Snakes and Arrows is actually really good. Um, I liked Working the Angels. That was a good song. Uh, there's some other good songs on here, too. Um, geez, where's Max when you need him? Uh, Caravan was a great yeah, tune. Caravan, so this is Snakes and Arrow was all right, but I was starting to get a little burnt out on Rush. But then when when Clockwork Angels came out, it it started getting back to that. Like they they they've you know they pulled themselves out of the '80s a lot more, and they found that old Rush feel. With Caravan was a great song. Yeah, for sure. Clockwork Angels obviously uh, was awesome. Really, for me, it's Caravan. I think that was yeah, me really too. the song. That's metal again. You know, they're they're metal again. So, Steve, why don't you run through the band's side projects? Oh yeah, there's a few interesting little bits in here. Uh, so if we start out with Lifeson, he. Made a film debut. <laughs> yep, he did a lot of acting. 1973 for a Canadian documentary with a very interesting title. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's supposed to be a comma. I'm just going to put that out there. All right, well, here's where they start tracking our movements. Well, Trailer Park Boys yeah, uh, I is know one of my favorite Canadian, yeah. Canadian television shows. I love Trailer Park Boys. Sounds like he played a big part in that. Oh, uh, well, not really. It was a cameo. <laughs> but kept showing up. He, he had a few cameos. But they... but. He played Alex Lifeson uh, and famously was asked to play uh, some song by April. What was it? It was like, like April Wine. He, he was asked to play uh, – I can't remember the song. They kidnap him because Bubbles yeah. loves Rush and they went to go see them. In fact, there's a video out there on the internet, if you guys haven't seen it yet, of Bubbles uh, as Bubbles with the glasses and everything playing closer to the heart with Rush. Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, it's really good. And it's an amazing video. Yeah, it is an amazing video. He's also got a book career. Yeah, I didn't know that, Steve. Did you know he had a book career? Yeah, but it sounds like they're all... They're all music-related books, He wrote, but he wrote them. I had no idea he made all these books. In 2013... All right, I'm confused. He wrote a book called Behind the Stage Door by Rich Engler in 2013. <laughs> Shredders. So he wrote a book called By Someone Else. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> that's his. That's his. Uh, that sounds. That's like. That's got Lifeson's name written all. Yeah, over. we'll get to that. We're He's, getting there in the in the rock fact. We'll have to definitely touch on how much of a personality he is. Oh my god. Nah, he's my favorite. He's my favorite personality wise. Animal. Yeah, he's he is. And the lisp kills me every time. His lisps. He sounds so funny. He sounds like he was raised in, a, in like a. And, you know, wherever he's from, his parent he looks like he's Scandinavian. Yeah, Canada. And, yeah, but he's like Can you know, Scandinavian background with like six other hymns that were all named Alex and Andrew and and Olaf. That's all you got, right? <laughs> Guys, I got some news for you. He didn't write three books. He wrote the foreword to three books. <laughs> so behind the stage door was a book by Rich Angler. <laughs> Steve, when were you gonna stop us? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Because he also wrote Getty Lee's Big Beautiful Book of Bass by Getty Lee. That's, <laughs> that's really great. Wow. Way to, way to not highlight that one word, you know. Yeah. Writing books and yeah. forwarding books are not the same things. Podcast audience, be aware. <laughs> what threw me through that loop was, uh, yeah, because I didn't expect, I didn't expect, I knew he has, I've seen him in a couple of like cameo appearances in movies and stuff like that, and they're hilarious. <laughs> like, he wrote the Encyclopedia uh, of Speed Guitar. Actually, no, he just wrote the foreword. <laughs> and, he, and he goes, and he goes to prove it with, because he didn't write, Getty Lee's Big Beautiful Book of Bass <laughs> by Getty Lee. <laughs> Anyway, so he didn't do that. Getty Lee also had a side project, most well known for a remix of O Canada. It kind of uh, added a little bit of a rock arrangement to it, and it was featured in the South Park film. 
bigger, longer, uncut. Yeah, so it was him and Lifeson playing it, right? That's pretty sick, though, that he, that he wrote that for South Park in 99. Uh, they're bigger, longer, and uncut, yeah. Well, those guys were, like, best friends, right? I mean, I, they're all – they're not from Canada, are they, the South Park guys? No, but Rush – all the guys from Rush – and uh, Trey Parker and Matt Stone were apparently like, yeah, real like buddy buddy. Oh, that makes sense then. They went on. Hmm. He likes things. all those. They like all those prog rock guys because look, they got Claypool to do their their uh, opening stuff, right? The theme music, right? So, and yeah. I mean, I'm a huge Primus fan. Let me let me come back on when you guys do Primus. Well, we do get into the '90s, so that is quite the possibility. <laughs> yeah, there'll be like three people that care. Uh, but I'll be one of them, <laughs> and you guys will yes, be the other two. Steve, Steve, tell them how many people listen to this podcast. I think we might be up to five yeah. listeners. No. You had six. Congratulations. It was six listeners. All right, twitch.tv forward slash. No, I'm just. <laughs> 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 oh, shit. Great. Well, Neil Peart, he had a brief cameo talking about film careers and lives, and he had a brief cameo in a 2007 film. What is this called? Aqua Teen Hunger so, Force. Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Movie film for theaters. Movie film for theaters. Yeah. I don't remember that one. So, in which samples of his drumming were played. So, I guess he played some drum samples for it. That's cool. And then he also appeared in concert with Rush in the 2009 film I Love You, man. Mm-hmm. Which we all remember that one. And as well as a funnier die web short in which the film's main characters sneak into the band's dressing room, which they played at the show we went to, right, Sean? They put it up on the, on the Time Machine tour. I think that's when they would play that, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, but they also did, yeah. So, the Time Machine tour, when they did that, they had so many. I think we were at the washer and dryer phase of their yeah. career or were yep. we at the rotisserie chicken <laughs> no we were at the washer and dryer washer and dryer see right. washer and dryers. They had the washer and dryers and yeah they had all sorts of ones so that one was particularly good uh and all the all the south park stuff that they held on to Very cool. And then, Steve, why don't you run through this band's uh, accolades, which are plenty? Yeah. Um, not surprisingly, a lot of their accolades are specifically Canadian. Uh, they were inducted to the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 94. Yeah, and then the Rock Hall. They were inducted in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2013. Sick. With possibly the most memorable uh, acceptance speech <laughs> for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Is it time, yeah, is it time to talk favorite. about it? Oh, my God. That's so good. <laughs> Blah blah. Yeah, blah, what, blah, blah. Yeah, what do blah, you think? Blah, so, what blah, do you think Eddie Lee was telling Neil Peart while they were backstage? You think it was something like, how long do you think he's going to go? No, I think that <laughs> Alex Lyson didn't know what the hell he was going to do when he got up there. And he is just such a character. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I wish I, wish I could ask him. But Well, he tells a story, though. It's actually a bit of acting. Like, he's like, oh, 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 oh. You could tell what the story was. You were like, yeah, he was expressive. You could tell he, he had something to say. He just said it with blah, blah, blahs. Yeah, I don't think that he had anything prepared, uh, written, like, like other words. Um, but <laughs> I think that he did tell the story of how they felt, uh, especially as, you know, it was the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, and they got fucking he snubbed so many him. times. Yeah. Let's talk about how they're ranked 79th in the U.S. in album sales. That's of all time. Of all time. That's kind of nuts. Um, 25 million mm-hmm. units. Um yeah, Steve, what else did they, uh, did they accomplish as far as accolades? Well, they have so many gold and platinum records that their statistics put them in third place behind the Beatles and the Rolling Stones for the most consecutive gold or platinum albums by a rock band. I mean, the title's got to go to somebody. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's why we forgive them for Justin Bieber. <laughs> exactly. Good point. Um, and Nickelback. Yeah, we still and, haven't uh, forgiven him for Nickelback. So we, so this isn't on purpose, guys. <laughs> we keep picking artists that got nominated for a ton of Grammys and never won one. It's like our, it's our specialty. If there was a type of like kitchen that specialized in this kind of soup, we'd be serving it up all day. Steve, explain to me how how many times did they fail to get that award? And it, it seems like a lot of it was instrumental performance. Yeah, they had seven chances. I mean, yeah, over what like twenty, almost thirty years at this point, they were nominated seven times and. If you look at who they lost to, in most of these cases, it's almost justified. Like, best rock instrumental performance lost to the police. Nope, wrong, though. Uh, no, that wrong. one was wrong. They're wrong. That one, They're that wrong. one okay. is wrong. They're all Lo- wrong. Lost the next 92 to Cliffs of Dover. No, that's pretty good. Yeah. Cliffs of Dover is pretty, is pretty sick instrumental, man. <laughs> 
And then you got, well, Pink Floyd's Maroon. Maroon is a great song, too. I mean, you got to think of what, what that was back then. That, that was a pretty sick album. That was Division Bell. Then what was this? Obatarista? Um, yeah, from Russian Rio. <laughs> yeah, they, they lost to Brian Wilson. This is O'Leary's cow. I know that song. That's actually a really, a really good pop song. Um, it's the one that's all bouncy. Yeah, when you hear it, you'll be like, oh, yeah, I get that. Um, but no, yeah, they had a lot of chances. And what was interesting, they got nominated for um, a music video, too. Uh, long for a music video, um, which they guess lost, they lost another, to the doors. Yeah, they lost to the doors, which doesn't that suck to die? You know, people that die, famous people that die, you lose to them an award. That's annoying. Yeah, it's like they can't even ex- they can't even appreciate it. No, it's I would feel worse, right? You would want him to. You would want because he's a you know memorialized. You don't want to like imagine oh, if right. you no know, right. Heath Ledger won an award posthumously for for the Joker. What yeah, if he lost he can... that posthumously? What if he died and then also lost best uh, best supporting actor that year? Then he's not going to be around to feel so bad about it, is he? <laughs> <laughs> You're really pragmatic with your uh, with your. It's his Steve's specialty. It's like he's a. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's dead. He shouldn't get it. <laughs> there were he was alive, by the way, at the time. Yeah, he he's not going to. Feel one way or another. He was alive at the time. The Doors, I believe, anyway. But then let's start going through Steve the list of awards (laughs) that the Canadians have given him because it's it's insane. Right. So if you turn over to the Juno Awards, which is basically the Canadian version of the American Music Awards. Time out, Steve. Hold on. Before we move forward. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I did. But listen, the uh, (laughs) the the thing that I gotta say is that Sean is very much a red blooded American. So he's just chuckling at all the Canadian love. It's, it's driving hilarious. me insane. The Juno so Awards. You're going to name an award after a place where literally nobody lives? Wait, hold on. So this first award, Steve, what was it for? It sounds like the partip- participation trophy of the Juno Awards. Yeah, 1975, they won for the most promising group of the year. But that's a very Canadian-style <laughs> yeah, award. Yeah. Like, that is something that Does it that come Canada with a sash? Out. Like, <laughs> you guys sound real promising. Sorry you're not famous yet, man, but, uh, you know, you're the most promising, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can tell what you're all about right now, you know? It's true. Um, and then they won Group of the Year twice in a row, 78 and 79. That's mm-hmm. that's pretty intense. Because mm-hmm. what else was going so on in Canada? all that promise really paid off. There you go. And so then in 1990, they won Ars of the Decades. 91, they won Best Hard Rock Metal Album. They won Music DVD in of the 91, Year. In 91, they won Best Hard Rock Metal Album? Yeah, for Presto. Really? I mean, what else was going on in Canada at the time? Oh, this is in Canada. Well, more set. Yeah, these are all the Juno right. Awards. Remember, uh, the girl who had to have the baby. Yeah, and then, um, yeah, they even even their last album got Rock Album of the Year, which, I mean, Canada just, it's all about Canada. Now, Steve, finally it's time for our... Take it away, Sean. Alex Lifeman was born actually as Alexander Zivinovich. He was uh, it was his parents were Cyber- Siberian. I don't know if you knew that or Serbian, not Siberian. Serbian. They were Serbian. <laughs> Just an extra yeah, syllable in Siberian, there. Siberian, Serbian. What's the difference really? <laughs> what, what, if you're me, what, what breed of dog uh, were they? <laughs> but he had to change his name from the Gemini to uh, life. You know what that means in English? Yeah, son of life. Son right, of life. so life became Hold the easier way to do it. Uh, oh, yeah. There's a funnier, a, another story actually came. Uh, Getty Lee, I think uh, Steve knows all about the, you know, like what, where Getty came from. Like it's that place with the stock images on the That's internet. Right. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly yeah. what he was I'm named. Very he was named after something he was born before. Right. Yeah. That's isn't that how it happens? His parents were forward thinkers. Uh, it's actually his name is Gary Lee Weinrib, but the problem was this: his mom, the, his, his he was Polish, right? And they were actually Holocaust survivors, but his mom couldn't say Gary. She had that thick Polish accent, so she would say Gary, and she she gave, she named him something that she could not pronounce. Isn't that beautiful? You know, my oh, mother cool. has her challenges with English, and so this really touches me. They were Holocaust survivors. Uh, they were. His parents. They were Holocaust survivors. Which is kind survivors. of crazy um, that to have both your parents survive the Holocaust. And so wait. So lastly, Neil Peart. We can't complain about him. He contemplated changing his name to Drummy McDrummerface, but he never followed through. 
Yeah, I mean, if you had Alex Lightstein, Getty Lee changed his name. Neil Peart felt a little left out from the name change game. He's like, you know what? Steve, is this an Easter egg you put in the notes? I have to admit, not all of my <laughs> rock facts are fully factual. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's cool. I'm down with that. So one okay. of the big heads, YYZ, is named after Toronto International Airport. Um, yeah. Morse code, which baby. Is a, yeah, that's pretty sick. And uh, yeah, I did How nerdy that. is that? How, how math core was Rush <laughs> when they named their song? And they and the tempo of said song, the core of their song, was named after Morse code for the letters of going back to Canada. And that concludes our. All right, guys. So let's talk about their influences. So they were really influenced by that prog rock movement of the mid '70s, right? I feel like bands like Yes, Genesis, even like a little De- Jethro Tull, which is all over the place too. Um, and yeah, I think this band has influenced so many modern rock, prog yeah. rock bands. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's, you know, you were talking about it, Sean. It's like... The list goes on. Yeah, it's, it's it, the roots go very deep um, with, with this group and other rock groups. And I think uh, a big part of that is that their story and their music kind of is inspirational. Not everybody gets to be a famous, rich rock guitarist and also not play basic music. You know, it's... It's a little unheard of to be um, in that position, and I think they were very true to themselves and gave that kind of you know message to others. Hey, be true to yourself. I talk about it all the time, Steve. You know, we talk about like you got to like what you listen to, you got to like what you hear, and like you know, without that, people like we've talked about this season, like Tom Morello, like Tom York, they wouldn't exist if you know they just listened to what everybody mm-hmm. else told them. Well, it's like a rags to riches story, but it was a rags to riches story where they just did it their own way unrelentingly, you know? I mean, like, Alex Lifeson was notorious for telling his parents he was going to drop out of high school and go play music, and they were pissed, you know what I mean? They're immigrants. Think about that. You're immigrants. Your parents are immigrants. They come to this country with $10 and a dream, don't speak the language barely, you know what I mean? Your last name Mm -hmm. is unpronounceable. You have to repronounce it for other people. That's how bad it was. And he goes, you know what? I'm not going to... I'm not going to go to college. I'm going to drop out of – I'm just not going to go to college. I'm going to be a rock star. And it, he did yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty wild. And I think uh, it's not, it goes without saying that um, if you're a drummer and you don't think Neil Peart is one of the greats, then – Then you're not a drummer. <laughs> know your roots. You should reconsider your <laughs> instrument. You know, go down <laughs> – see what else is going on. You know, I, I'm all for people's opinions and tastes, but I won't take blasphemy like that. Uh, speaking of which, I have a good friend of mine who we fell out of favor because he uh, he told me once that he doesn't like Led Zeppelin. And I was like, I don't trust people with that kind of decision making. That is enough to blacklist anybody in my book. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? Like, you don't like them? Yeah, yeah I, I like how like he's... Them. I really like he, him. Like, oh. you, know, you won't even say his name anymore. He's like <laughs> yeah, Voldemort it was, now. <laughs> no, it's, <laughs> Trevor, if you're out there, you know that you stole money from Sean. Bring it back. It's a whole story. We won't go into it. No, we don't have to do that. So, so Sean, it's your time to shine or glean or puddle yourself and introduce our sucky song of the day. I was told, I was tasked uh, when being invited by these fine guys to come on this podcast. I was tasked, hey, uh, oh yeah, come up with a sucky song for the day. And my first instinct, and I'm going to say it, don't cut this out. <laughs> I was going to say, in the mood by Rush. We're doing it live. But probably not. I thought that it had to be. I didn't know the rules. I didn't realize that it wasn't. It didn't have to be a rush song. Um, so obviously, obviously, where do you go from there? It's a wide open world. The Kelly, bro- <laughs> the Kelly family, the Kelly singers. Uh, they had a really great hit song called "Ain't Gonna Pee Pee My Bed Tonight." Um, just to be clear, if you look it up on Spotify, just look up "Pee Pee." I think that's the shortened version of <laughs> it. It'll be the first hit. And uh, Sean, what is the theme? What What is the goal of this song to you? What is it trying to accomplish? They really tackled the division that was going on with apartheid in Africa. Uh, <laughs> it was very important to, to kind of nail that in the bud. They were talking a lot about how Hong Kong showed that capitalism worked <laughs> in uh, communist countries and how it really could blossom throughout the rest of the world and save millions of lives. But really what it wanted to talk about was uh, the story of a young man and his will, a battle of willpower between his bladder and his bed. And he was not going to, I repeat, not, he ain't going to pee-pee 
his bed tonight. So, real facts. I was we were I was listening to this song while Steve. I was on the phone with Steve while he was listening to this song. You got my my first reaction. My raw, unfiltered. I got his first reaction. He's like, "All right, so the little kid's singing." <laughs> all of a first, the like, that big chorus male comes, out. comes in. Ain't going to be. And Steve goes like this. He goes, "Oh, everybody's in on the fun." Did you, yeah, you I watched watch it on YouTube. It's, Dude, it is he's scary. like with this with the microphone because he's trying to be like meatloaf. He's really. It's like he was gonna piss himself. <laughs> He's like, I ain't gonna, and the, and the voice kind of, because it's like, he's all over the place trying to be theatrical about it. Like, somebody really gave him too many sodas. Probably not the best thing to do to a kid that doesn't want to pee-pee his bed tonight. I was very happy about that. Yeah, he probably had to, he probably had to wear that uniform the first six months of his life, you know, really grow into it. Guys, I got some bad news, though, because they had a follow-up hit, if you can call it that, called Papa Cool. <laughs> <laughs> where each one of the family members talks about how cool their dad is. And, of course, Angelo, the one who sings Ain't Gonna Pee Pee My Bed Tonight, has his cameo in this song. And he kind of gives a little reprise to it. He says, I'm not gonna pee pee my bed tonight. Angelo wakes up in the morning, goes to the toilet, finds out he did pee pee. Our papa's so cool. That's how the song goes. That That's an actual lyric. Sean. Don't talk to me right now. I'm processing this. Take your time. Let it sink in. I know. It's it's heavy. It's deep. I had – why are we talking about prog bands but we're not talking about the Kelly Singers? But We could dedicate an entire episode to them if we wanted to. No, we couldn't. If we uh, wanted well, I mean, to. I imagine you could. If those people are into religion – if those people are into religion, I don't know who it is. <laughs> All right, so everybody, that's our show. Any last words? Any, oh, any, any check, out my, uh, check out my check out my band, words? The Wilcoff Project, if you don't mind. There's, if you like hard rock and roll, please uh, don't. All right, we'll put a description to the, your uh, your your Facebook page. Thank you very much. I appreciate. it. Thank you guys for having me. By the way, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you for it was coming. a lot of fun. Absolutely, man. It we'll really have to was. Again and, yeah, move. You know, come back next week. We're closing it out. Episode ten. It's going to be a bittersweet, but we're going to pick another kick-ass band. Remember to subscribe, share, like, send it to all your friends, all Sean's friends, Sean's friends, friends, Sean's friends, friends, friends. Sean, how should this get shared? Compared uh, to something, uh, mm, like whatever the opposite of my sex life is, often, <laughs> frequently, <laughs> and passionately. That's perfect. Make sure you head over to Apple Podcast if if you got the iPhone. If you're the iPhone having type. Definitely Apple Podcasts is the way to do it. We just got on it. Fingers crossed. We're going to find number seven. You're out there somewhere. And then obviously go to Spotify, guys. Spotify. Everybody's got one. And then also if you have any questions, if you have any suggestions about what kind of band that they should cover, I would definitely hit them up on Facebook, Bass and Treble. If you want, if you want to email us, email thoughts at BassandTreblePodcast.com. And if you want to email us, you know, cash – Email cash. At base and if you want to email them ram, it's ram at basentreble.com. Sean's, Sean's completely bogart at the awesome. ending. He's like, all right, if you want to like, <laughs> if you want to make, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll just go on. All right, guys. All right. Peace. Peace. Good night, guys.